0: facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is the Kale Clark show on Relevant Radio.
1: It's great to be back behind the mic once again. It is Tuesday, the 30th of January 2024. Glad you're along for the ride on the Kale Clark show. Let me give out the phone number to call to talk to me for free. I was out sick yesterday, so I'm really happy to be back. You can call in live. 888-914-9149, 914 9149 our listener line sponsored by, of course, the Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. Once again, that number, 888-914-9149. You can also email the program, questions, comments, suggestions, become a shadow producer. You got a story you want me to cover. You can send it to me. The address is K-L-C-A-L-E at RelevantRadio.com. And of course, you can also follow me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E Clark with an E. So here's a question I want to throw out to you. And we're gonna I, I, I came across this incredible uh, data pack on the internet. Really interesting story in the Financial Times about men, women, and the political divide. Men and women are thinking incredibly differently about politics. And I'm going to show you what, what those stats are. But I want to ask you if you've noticed this in your own life. And I want to hear from everybody here. I want to hear from the guys. I want to hear from the gals. Do you find that women and men think differently politically? Are, 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 are men tending to be more conservative politically? Are women tending to be more liberal politically? Uh, does it does it matter sort of what, what in-group you're part of? Uh, really good question. So if you have a, a take on that, give me a call, 888-914-9149. Now I'm going to be sharing your calls in this study with you. I think it's going to blow your mind. It certainly shocked the, the heck out of me, I'll tell you that. But uh, as you're calling in, I want to uh, share with you uh, a little bit about today's gospel, because it's, it's absolutely one of my favorite gospel readings, uh, the gospel at Mass today. And it's from Mark chapter 5. It's it's really just a beautiful account of two ladies, maybe one a little bit older, one a lot younger, uh, who are healed from Jesus. One is brought back from the dead, and one is kind of given her life back in another way. And so I just want to read the passage very, very quickly for you, and then we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, this is again Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed close to the sea, one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Seeing him, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Please come lay your hands on her that she may get well and live. He went off with him, and a large crowd followed him. There was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for 12 years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors, and had spent all that she had, yet she was not helped, but only grew worse. Okay, just let me stop here for one second. One, one thing I always thought was kind of funny was that in, in Luke's account of, of this incident, and of course Luke, being a physician, the good doctor, the good physician, he kind of he kind of changes things a little bit. He said, you know, just. Despite the, the, the best efforts of these brilliant doctors, they just couldn't figure it out. He, he kind of tries to make the, the doctors look really, really good here, uh, but uh, they don't look so good. In Mark's version, she had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had, and she has nothing to show for it. It sounds like she's almost spent her life savings here. She was not helped, but only grew worse. Let's get back to Mark here. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She said, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Immediately, her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Jesus, aware at once that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, who has touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see how the crowd is pressing upon you, and yet you ask, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what had happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Disregarding the message that was reported, Jesus said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid, just have faith. He did not allow anyone to accompany him inside except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they arrived at the house of the synagogue official, he caught sight of a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. So he went in and said to them, Why is this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they ridiculed him. In some translations it says they laughed at him. Then he put them all out. He took along the child's father and mother and those who were with him and entered the room where the child was. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha cum," which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. The girl, a child of twelve, arose immediately and walked around. At that they were utterly astounded. He gave strict orders that no one should know this and said that she should be given something to eat. And uh, I, I think that's just a great touch at the end. Hey, give her something to eat. She's been, well, She she's literally back from the dead. She's been through a lot. She's probably hungry. Just that, that nice touch that Jesus was thinking about. Uh, all the angles here and all of her needs so what's what's really interesting here is just how these stories uh, about these these two women are kind of kind of placed together and the number 12 uh, is really in common for both this woman had had a flow of blood for 12 years and this had been incredibly debilitating for her we'll get into that in just a second but then there's a 12 year old girl that has died and by the way the age of 12 she's pretty much just become an adult uh, in the first century Jewish world, it's kind of the age in which a girl, it'd be possible for her to be betrothed and married, And so you're really kind of, your life is just beginning. Now, obviously, people got married a lot younger then, uh, when they were in their early teens in some cases, but she's able to be betrothed now. She's able to enter fully into her, her, her adult life, if you will, as part of the community. But yet, uh, she has died. And Jesus takes care of both of these issues. Now, it's kind of interesting here, too, is that there's there's factors of this whole, whole interplay between clean and unclean. Uh Jesus has already sort of broken those barriers by touching the leper and healing him, uh, which is a total no no, but but Jesus is not made unclean. By the way, there's nothing to do with dirt or anything like that when we talk about unclean, it's it's ritual uh, uncleanness, it's ritual impurity. And it's really the forces of death, as one scholar has written a book about this called Jesus Against the Forces of Death. Anything that that smacks of death or or, blood, death, disease, whatever, he has complete and total command over all of these things. And by the way, the name Jairus, the synagogue ruler, it's really interesting. It's not very often that anybody's name is mentioned in the gospel other than big-time players, the apostles. Their names are mentioned, of course. People like Pilate. uh, But jairus one of the few people sort of in the crowds we know his name and the name jairus actually means something it means he will awaken he will awaken and obviously his daughter was to awaken from her sleep her sleep actually being death so i thought that was kind of kind of interesting and he pleads with jesus can you please just just lay your hands on her and she will get better, and it's the first time that this phrase is sort of mentioned. This the idea of Jesus laying his hands on on people. But at any rate, um, this is the first person who who he's on the way there to try to to heal this girl. And then this this other woman comes up to him in the crowd, and she is in a really really rough place. She would have been in a perpetual state. Of ritual impurity. If she was married, it's quite possible her husband had left her. We don't really know. She is sort of separate from everybody. It's a really, really tough case. Um, In Leviticus chapter 15, and I know, I know you all have Leviticus chapter 15 memorized off by heart, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, But let me just look it up for you. I haven't either, by the way, but it talks about a woman in a situation like this In the law of Moses, it says when a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has this, just as in the days of her period. Any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean, as is her bed during her monthly period, and anything she sits on will be unclean as during her period whoever touches them will be unclean he must wash his clothes and bathe with water and he will be unclean till evening all right so th- this is I-, I don't say that to uh you know kind of gross you out or anything but i'm just i'm just saying that this woman has had essentially uh been in this perpetual state and, and it means you can't be, be be in contact with people in the community um, so she's kind of religiously set apart. Uh, she's, like I said, if she was married, the husband's probably out of the picture at this point. Maybe she never got married. Very difficult to say. She's she's spent all kinds of money on physicians. It hasn't worked, and she is just really at her wit's end here. And so th- Mark just kind of hammers home her her suffering and 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 just this idea that she has the faith to. Touched, and really what we're talking about here is the tassels on his garment, which are known as sitziot. Um And it's very common these tassels of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a rabbi's garment. She says, If I can just touch the edge of these tassels, I will be healed. And the disciples, when she does, and Jesus is like, Oh, what is going on? Who, who touched me? There's this huge crowd there, and the apostles are like, Really? I mean, everybody is touching you. There's a huge crowd here. Everything, everybody's pressing against you. But Jesus knows, of course, that, that this has happened. And so, it's really, really nice. He, he, Jesus doesn't say, okay, go home, quit grabbing my clothes. <laughs> he says, go in shalom. That's really what he said, this, this word shalom, which means a total wellness of body, mind, and soul. And so, this is great. She's completely restored really, to her life. And at the same time, while this is happening, some people come from the home of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and say, oh, by the way, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter has died. Can you imagine the shock that this guy was in at that point? And then Jesus turns to him and says, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Just believe. And so, man, it's, it's really interesting, too, because the first reading is about uh, it's from the second book of Samuel. It's about Absalom, the death of Absalom, the son of David, who rebelled against David. And it, it's kind of a bizarre story. He's riding a a donkey, and his hair—he's passing under a tree branch. His hair gets caught in it somehow. And um, I don't know whether he's like Fabio's long hair, but anyways, he he gets caught in the—he's he's hanging by his hair on this tree branch. And then one of David's commanders actually runs him through with a spear and kills him. And David gets news that. That Absalom has died, and he's just despondent. He says, "I wish I could have died in your place, Absalom. If only." And he's just weeping and mourning, and this is probably exactly how Jairus felt at that at that same point too—a uh, parent's worst nightmare. But Jesus says, "Do not doubt. Only believe. Don't be afraid." And when he gets to the house, of course, he says, that "She's only asleep. She's only asleep." And, and they start laughing at him. By the way. Why would they do that? A lot of these quote-unquote mourners that are there are actually professional mourners. This would happen at a at a sort of a, a wake, if you will, in the Jewish world. They would hire professional mourners to weep and wail. And so when they hear Jesus say this, they, they just crack up. It's totally inappropriate. And so Jesus kicks everybody out, and then he does, of course, this healing raises her from death. And, and this is one of the few times where we see this Aramaic saying of Jesus, by the way. He says, Talitha kumi, little girl, I say to you, rise. This is an Aramaic phrase. Uh, it's the street language Jesus spoke. We see this pop up from time to time in the Gospels. Abba, Father, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, Ephatha, when, he, when he's healing this deaf guy, this mute guy use these Arabic words. So this is a great historical reminiscence here uh, from Peter, who's, who's really the source behind Mark's gospel. It's really the gospel of Peter. Mark is Peter's scribe, if you will. And so Jesus, of course, brings both of these women, kind of gives them their life back. And this is really the significance of, of, of Jesus, the gospel on the world. Whenever Jesus is around, nobody dies, at least nobody stays dead People have their lives restored, their relationships restored, wholeness happens for them right then. The kingdom of God is broken in. You can, you can believe it. And it's true even in history as well. Wherever the gospel has been preached and accepted in society, human life improves. Society improves. That's a fact. That's a historical fact. Where the gospel is not followed, we see nothing but decay. and And in many cases, backwardness. Not all religions are created equal, that's for sure. So we're, I'm going to take a quick break right here on the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, but when I come back, we're going to talk about this incredible new research into men, women, and politics. Do you think there's a huge difference in America between men and women politically, and why is that? I want to hear from you guys, 888 9149 We'll be right back on the Kale Clark Show right after this.
2: Faith, facts, and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio.
1: Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the number to call, toll free to talk to me. And I've got a question for you. Political differences between men and women. Do you think it is the case in the United States of America or wherever you may be all around the world? Because this is a kind of a global issue. It's really interesting that men and women appear to think very, very differently about politics. 888 9149 I realize I might be going into the danger zone and, and talking about this. 888 9149 I saw a really interesting thread on this on X uh, by John Byrne Murdoch. And Byrne Murdoch is kind of one of those hyphenated last names. John, it's not his nickname, John Byrne Murdoch, but John Byrne Murdoch. And he writes for the Financial Times, and he did this huge piece on this about how, according to research, an ideological divide is emerging between men and women in a lot of different countries around the world with respect to politics, especially among young men and women. And this this is a really interesting trend, and it might explain a lot of things. So I'm wondering what you guys think about this. It, 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 men, women, you can both comment on this. I want to hear from the ladies. want to hear from the guys. Do you see? Is this true amongst your friends? Is it true amongst people you know? Let me just share with you some of these stats. It's really interesting. And this is tracking over several decades, by the way, in various countries. So let me just take one, one country, for example. South Korea. South Korea. Back in around the year 2000, men and women pretty much... We're evenly split between liberal and conservative political views. But that has changed a lot in the subsequent decades. Right now, in the 2020s, there's about a 50-point difference in terms of percentage points. In terms of women are leaning way, way more on the liberal side of things, and men far, far more are conservative in their political views. What about the United States? Interestingly, in about the year 1980, women were actually slightly more conservative in their political views than men. But but as the decades have gone on through the 1990s, the aughts, the 2010s, and now the 2020s, it is completely reversed. And now there is another, it's not as big as the, the gap in South Korea, but it's almost as big. It's about a 40 percentage point differential. Women are tending far towards liberalism and men tend to, to be very, very conservative in their political views. Germany, the exact same thing is happening. In about 1980, again, uh, men were actually more liberal politically than women, but that has changed drastically. It's now about a 30 percentage point difference. Women tend to be more liberal uh, in their politics than men. And in the UK, in Britain, um, even conservative guys aren't aren't that conservative but but again there's a huge difference it's about a twenty percentage point difference with women again being extremely liberal in political views in general and again this doesn't cut it's not specific to individuals but these are just the trends there's a massive massive gap worldwide between men and women and their political views. Why is this um Interestingly enough, according to the stats uh, presented in, in this piece in the Financial Times, the global gender divide when it comes to politics, the younger generations, it's even more pronounced. The older you go back in, in, in time, uh, previous generations, the boomers, uh, people who are now in their 70s, they're almost the same in, in a way, you know, in terms of who's conservative, who's liberal. But the younger generations, are the, the gender divide in politics is becoming far more pronounced. Uh, Gen Z, according to John Byrne Murdoch, Gen Z is actually seeming like two completely different generations, not one generation. Young women in Gen Z are very, very, they would identify as being liberal and progressive. Young men, surprisingly conservative. You th- there's sort of a, a thought process that people have that, that all younger people are politically liberal, and that's not the case. That's not the case. Gen Z men are very very conservative according to the stats so this pattern has been repeated uh, very much so uh, across countries um, around the world a huge gap especially between young men and young women today south korea is the most pronounced gap i mentioned that just a a few moment ago it's caused incredible changes in the society Marriage rates and birth rates are plummeting. Uh, in fact, they are the lowest rates of any country right now in the world, in South Korea. And a lot of it has to do with the political divide between men and women. So uh, there's all kinds of uh, interesting stats that are, that are focused on here. And, and I wonder what you guys think about this. Are, are you seeing this among people? Are you noticing this trend among people that you know, people that you work with, people in your family, your friends. Is there a political divide between men and women? Are women tending to be more politically liberal and men tending to be more conservative? Does that matter with respect to how old they are? What, what do you guys think about this? 888 Let's go to Jim in Chicago. Hi, Jim.
3: Uh, good evening, Kale. In, in my family, all women, all men vote democratic. They've never even would have confessed the voting for Republican. We, we represented every union under the sun in America, from the teacher's union to the police union, to the fire department union, to the carpenters union, to the electricians union, to the bricklayers union, to the bartenders union, every union on earth. And we got our susten- sustenance from unions. They will always vote union will never vote Republican and the men and women because they, they like their homes and they like their salaries and they like to make a decent living.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, there's no question that um, union members tend to favor the democratic party demographically. There's, there's no, no question about that. Hey Jim, thank you for your call. I appreciate that. Jim calling in Chicago what do you guys think about this? Are you noticing a big difference politically between men and women? I want to hear from the ladies. I want to hear from the guys. Triple eight nine 914 9149 Let's go to Pete in Austin, Texas. Hi, Pete. Hey, Kale. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling in.
4: Yeah, it's great to talk to you. You know, I think I was thinking that it's really important um, as families to be unified um, mm-hmm. not necessarily saying agreeing on everything. Obviously, we agree as Catholics we need to have, um, you know, issues of life of the utmost importance, but finding unity in these really divisive issues. Um, I think myself as a husband and father that there are things that are going to come up that are going to try to divide my family. And I want to make sure that I'm finding unity in these things um, and that I can then speak to the truth that Jesus has taught us and not try to um, speak to the division that it can cause.
1: Mm Cost outside a family. you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's a great point, Pete. Because within families, how how do you keep that unity? And and um, and that's that might be an interesting question too. Like instead of looking at it between, you know, are are women tending to vote towards, uh, or they tend to lean towards more liberal political views? As opposed to the men, what about families? Um, it, does that make a difference? Being part of a family unit, if if would a married woman or a married mom uh, be tending to look at things politically the same way as her husband, or, or would a husband change his political views to match those of his wife? That's also an interesting angle, and, and I do think absolutely that this this can cause a lot of strife in families and relationships. Obviously, it tends to be more so an extended family, but sometimes I would imagine even within a marriage, there might be some some interesting uh, chatter about this. And with an election year happening, uh, it, it's an interesting question. I just I I don't delve into political topics too often on the show, but th- this stat really intrigued me just how unbelievably wide the gap was between men and women and their political views. It, it kind of shocked me, especially in the younger generations, Gen Z especially. It's almost like two different... Generations and and why is this happening? What are some of the reasons for this? Um, the the author suggests and he's kind of going through some possible scenarios. Uh, he mentions maybe he, he's saying perhaps it's an it's an overreaction to the Me Too movement by some uh, generations of younger men that they're kind of like uh, almost uh, resisting that and 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 they think the way to resist that is to go conservative. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that that has anything to do with it, but but it might. It might. And I want to hear from you guys. What do you think? Triple eight nine 9149 Let's go to John in Orlando. Hi, John. Oh, John, John, we lost you. Somehow, if you want to call back, maybe you had a bad connection there, uh, please uh, do call back and we'll get you on right away. Let's go right now to Roger in Wisconsin. While we wait for John to get back on. Hi, Roger.
3: Hello. Yeah, I was calling. I had a question. Uh, the. the the person from Chicago had mentioned that the uh, Democratic Party uh, mm-hmm. stands for the unions. And um, mm-hmm. I have a couple brothers in the union, and they always voted Republican. They said that the Democratic Party was more tearing down the unions more than helping them. Is that, mm-hmm. So is that true in Chicago and not in other places, I'm wondering?
1: I, I don't know. That That's a good question. That's a good question. Obviously, um, not too long ago, President Biden famously joined... Uh, the United Auto Workers picket line uh, during the sort of impasse that was going on between some of the big auto companies and the United Auto Workers—the first president to ever do that, a first pre- sitting president to ever do that—and uh, but but you're saying that perhaps there's there's a lot of Republican union members as well. That's that's interesting. And is it is it location specific? That's a great question, which I I don't have the answer to. But maybe some of the other callers might triple eight nine one four. Nine one four nine. Thank you so much for your call, Roger. Okay, we've got John back on. Apologize for that, John. You are back online. John in Orlando.
4: Yeah, no, I'm back. My bad. I had a car drive by me and anyway, I lost my signal. Hey, okay. I just gotta tell you, this is a great topic. I have four daughters who range from twenty-three to thirty-three. Um, I don't know what generation that is, by the way. I'm not sure what Gen Z really is for age, mm-hmm. first of all. But Um, I can tell you this much, I find that my older daughters in their thirties seem to be sympathetic with, you know, we're all Catholic and obviously some Mm more excited about the Catholic faith than others, but the liberal vows I'm particularly referring to are the the LGBT community. And I I see it as sort of like a sympathy for them, um, any direct criticism of anything related to that, you know, we have, we don't even get into. I think they've been very effective at being able to kind of win over the hearts and minds of that generation with regards to, you know, hey, you know, you shouldn't say anything bad about these folks, all right? And not that we do, but we certainly mm-hmm. need to have make judgments, make moral judgments mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. about the lifestyles. And yet my younger two are, <laughs> in their mid-20s, are gung-ho for conservative values and um, obviously it make some interesting conversations when we have these conversations. Yeah. I, I just find that intriguing in the same family. You know, we've been married thirty plus years, and it's just. Um, but I see compassion in everyone when we have these conversations. That's one thing I do like mm-hmm. about it. You know, no one's doing it from an anger issue. It's just that even right. with women, unfortunately, even with abortion, sometimes they they just don't get it that it's not compassionate to allow them to make a choice to kill a baby. But there's still this tendency to like this misguided compassion in my yeah. older daughters, and I think I see it around the country too with other women.
1: John, that, that's a really good phone call. I, I like what you said there, misguided compassion, because no matter, even if people uh, take a stance on these issues that would conf- conflict with the doctrine of the church, they're usually doing it out of some sort of sense of compassion uh, for others. But as, as you said, perhaps it's uh, miseducated compassion or misguided compassion. But what you're saying also kind of tracks with this new research that the younger generations are tending more conservative, which which you don't hear a lot about in the media, but... Uh, that, that's a great example of what's going on in your family, how even within a family there can be some, some very divergent points of view uh, on, on these issues. John, I thank you so much for your call. That was a really good phone call. Appreciate you. Call back anytime, John, in Orlando. All right, let's go now to Danielle in Appleton, Wisconsin. Hi, Danielle. Hi. Hey, good to hear from you, Hi. Danielle. It's great to hear from oh, some of the ladies you. on this issue as well, so th- I'm glad you called in.
5: Thank you for taking my call. I'm actually at a cross between a Gen Z and a Gen X and a Gen Z. But um my my uh my contribution is malignant feminism is a huge cause in this. So the cancer of feminism and women have to be equality, the whole equality, the whole DEI movement. Everything's gotta be equal. Um you know, so that's right into our kids over and over and over the whole, the, the whole, um, participation trophy generation, you know, so everybody's got to be good. So liberalism makes sense because everybody's equal in liberalism. So that's, that's where I'm going with it. It started with feminism and it's moved down the line now become a, uh, malignant, uh, tumor.
1: Yeah, yeah Danielle, you you mentioned that you use the phrase malignant feminism do you, do you think there's a feminism that that is not malignant that there's sort of a positive feminism that's out there that's sort of maybe a, a counterpoint to, to what you're sort of saying is not not good here
5: yes yeah, so there was a lighthouse media um, talk and it was a lady who was talking about the counterpoint of feminism uh, of, of secular fe- feminism versus Catholic feminism and um, different roles and yeah so yeah mm-hmm. malignant feminism secular feminism would be what i'm talking about it is cancer that has spread across the world
1: yeah it, thank you so much for your call danielle Re- really appreciate that and one thing i keep thinking about whenever i hear about things like like as danielle put it malignant feminism i think about john paul the great and, and he wrote so much about the dignity of woman the role of woman and uh, it, it, it's obviously at odds the the view of of JP two with a lot of what's 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 taking place in the world right now, and uh, I'd love to hear from, uh, from a lady who would maybe sort of share that perspective. 888-914-9149. Okay, but let's we're, again we're talking about different differing political views. The stats are out that show a massive gulf between men and women politically men are tending towards more conservative and the younger you get the more the, the disparity is women are tending to take much more liberal political views all around the world including in the united states i want your take on this are you seeing this are you seeing a gender gap when it comes to political views 888 scale clark show on relevant radio let's go to aubrey in minnesota
0: Yeah. uh, Thanks for taking my call. Um, I would just have to say, I completely agree with your last two callers um, in terms of, um, you know, the, why women are, you know, tending to be more liberal. Um, I used to be extremely liberal up until um, maybe three years ago. And um, I'm actually a a recent um, convert. Um, I never thought I could be Catholic either. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, when I look back, you know, I just see, you know, how much, Um, really, it seems like, you know, the left or the progressives like really play, um, and target women's emotions. Um, you know, like your previous caller was saying, you know, about like, you know, making everybody feel, um, you know, included or like they belong. Um, but it's, it's at a detriment, you know, it's that, it's that detrimental, um, you know, misguided compassion. Um, you know, I mean, I, I just, um, I, I just can't believe, you know like how we, you know we we we've gotten so um manipulated and brainwashed against like what is really true and um you know and if you I, you know I've, I've heard my people say this before you know it's like well if you really love someone you tell them the truth you know whether or not they're going to like it or not but mm. you know that's not what is at all happening anymore and hasn't been going on for a long time i mean i considered myself a feminist by the time i was in fifth grade and you know, that was like in the nineties, I'm, I'm almost 40 now, but it's, you know, it's like, grade. Oh yeah. I mean, yes. And, you know, and I, I even look back at, you know, I mean how much it's in our, it's in our, you know, media, it's in, you know, our, our, you know, um, you know, culture, you know, um, so much to, you know, that there's, and, and I'm, you know, from the twin cities area. So it's very, you know, much more progressive here. Um, so so yeah, that's just all I have to say. That I, I really think that it's hmm. you know women are being targeted um, because you know we're we're more sympathetic, we're more you know in tune with our emotions, but it's it's at a huge detriment to society as a whole. So,
1: well, Aubrey, thank thank you so much for your, for your take. Really strong take from Aubrey in Minnesota. I thank you for your call and call, call back anytime, Aubrey. It, here's here's another angle on, on this whole thing about. Uh, boys leaning more and and young men leaning more towards conservatism politically, women leaning more towards liberalism. According to the stats, uh, clearly not all individuals uh, would would buy into that. And by by the way, uh, thanks to uh, our crack researcher Patrick Alog, uh, who has informed me. Just in case you're wondering about the generations and how old they are, because it's it's easy to com- get confused with this stuff. Uh, generation Z are is a uh, really encompasses age twelve to twenty seven. Um, and I'm guessing what you meant to say is millennials, Patrick, are 29 to 43. Gen X would be today aged 44 to 50. Um, Boomers would be between 60 and 70 years of age, is that correct? Okay, so that's sort of the age ranges that we're looking at here. Um, Gen X has got to be a little bit older than that, right? Th- maybe 35 to 50. That's what you meant, I think. But anyways, you're trying to do a lot of stuff right now. He's trying to answer the phones and, and type this stuff in as well. So, um, you can call in triple eight, make him even more having to multitask. 9149. But I wanted to, I wanted to throw this in here as well because one of the, one of the commenters on this research is a guy named professor Mark Sherman. Professor Mark Sherman, he's got a PhD from Harvard. He's been interested in gender issues for the last 40 years. And he had an interesting reply to all of this. And I just want to quote him here. This is Professor Mark Sherman. He says, quote, Speaking just for the United States, I'm not surprised by this. Young men see that whether it's government, media, or the academy, their needs are not being addressed. Their needs are not being addressed. And as an 81-year-old man, he says... I know this has been true for at least the last 30 years when girls and women began to do better and better. I'm involved with groups of great people, male and female, who have done what they can and, and continue to do so to rectify this. But even now, he says, many of us feel we've barely made a difference. Look at President Biden's White House Gender Policy Council. It says gender, but it has no concern whatsoever for males of any age, end of quote. That's really interesting. So I I guess what he was trying to say here is that the needs of young men are maybe not being addressed as much. And I I was talking uh, about the study with my my wife uh, today, and Patricia was saying, you know, her her take on this was that for the last few decades, you know, there's been sort of like, let's, let's pump up girls to... To you know, you can achieve things. You can get involved in in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. You you can you can be all that you can be. You can become uh, whatever you want to be professionally, and there's there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But the problem is that she sort of saw this as being maybe to the detriment of of boys to a certain extent. Boys are never really talked about, and and then what's also interesting, and, and anybody who's involved in education could probably verify this for me, that. Pedagogically speaking, boys and girls they develop at different rates and, and girls tend to develop a little bit quicker sometimes in certain areas than than boys do and sometimes the boys can kind of feel like they're being left behind a little bit um, and, and 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 some of the and let's let's face it some some of the horrific things that have happened to, to women and continue to happen to women in the culture are of grave grave concern, but sometimes there's been maybe maybe some people are seeing a bit of a, a, a backlash to the again this is sort of this is mentioned in the in the in the tweet thread here about this that there might be a backlash to the me too movement and that all boys here are that they're dangerous they're 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 aggressive they're this they're that and and somehow they're being they feel sort of attacked i, I don't know now now certainly i'm all for protecting women here i'm a, i'm a girl dad but, but do you, do you, is there anything to this? I just thought it was kind of an interesting point of view. 888-914-9149. 888 9149 Hey, we got to take a quick break right here on the K.O. Clark Show, but we'll be right back with more of your phone calls. Do you see a huge difference between men and women in terms of their political views? Are these stats playing out in your own life, that women tend to be more liberal, guys are tending to be more conservative, especially as they get younger, uh, which is not necessarily what people would think, but that's what the stats say. 888 9149 I'd love your take, and we'll be right back after this on The Cale Clark Show.
6: Explaining the faith so you can explain it to others. It's The Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
1: Hey, welcome back to the program, Triple eight nine one four. 9149 is the number to call to talk to me for free. I want to get your take on what we're talking about right now. Major study by the Financial Times. Over a period of many, many decades, it's been intriguing to see the huge chasm open up, almost like the Grand Canyon, in political views between men and women. The stats are undeniable. Worldwide, women are tending far more towards liberal political views than men. Men are totally going more conservative, especially so as they get younger into the millennial generation, into Gen Z. It's even more pronounced. And I'm wondering whether this is playing out in your personal experience. Are you seeing a gender divide when it comes to political points of view? 888 Let's go to Line 5, Amy in Yorkville, Illinois. Hi, Amy.
6: Hey, Cal. How are you tonight?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for calling in.
6: Thank you for your show and the important topics that you bring up. I just wanted to add in that my family recently decided to take our children out of the public schools and send them... I have two girls and two boys, Mm -hmm. and to send them to single-gender high schools, and it Ah. has been an amazing experience. I feel like it's a dying art, something that was around more when my parents were in Mm -hmm. high school, Mm -hmm. Um, but it has been such a blessing in their development is understanding themselves as young men and young women. And that is being supported by the monks at my son's school and by the sisters at my daughter's school, as well as all of the lay teachers, um, which are both men and women at both mm-hmm. schools, but just having their cohort, be single gender has, I think it's just made such a difference in understanding their identity in their maleness and femaleness and, and really understanding the complementariness of what it hmm. brings um, to the other.
1: That's that so fascinating, Amy. I want to ask you, like, what what were some of your concerns about their development that led you to pull them out of the public schools where it was kind of mixed uh, boys and girls?
6: Well, some of the things that we were seeing in our public school that was disturbing me was the state or federal mandated Um, education topics that were being weaved into our English language classes, Mm. uh, particularly around gender, gender identity, um, parental rights was being brought up. Um, My sixth grader was being asked about whether or not Confederate flags should be flown, even though they hadn't even had a history class to understand what that meant. Mm. Um, My middle school daughter was getting a lot of pressure from a classmate um, who identified as um, in the LBGTQ community for not agreeing with the statements that they were making, and all of them in Mm. general felt it was, um, everybody was included except those that had a conservative Catholic viewpoint.
1: Mm. So certain viewpoints were not welcome. And how, you know, in terms of the single gender schools that, that the kids are now in, how have you seen that help them flourish? As, you know, as, we'll talk about the boys and talk about your girls as well.
6: Um, so the boys are being raised to be men, um, really understanding their importance and their role as well as accountability. Um, one of the things that I think profoundly in both of the schools is that you don't see the competition between the boys and the girls in the classroom. So it's not Mm. a constant, um, I'm better than you type of Mm. thing. They're not, they're not fighting against the boys and the girls of who's the best. The boys are competing with the boys. The girls are competing with the girls and and when they come together in the things that they do come together in, such as our fine arts programs, it's mm-hmm. always complementary. It is not, you know, striving to be to the other one at something. So mm-hmm. to me, that's one of the things that I think is driving the understanding that you can be the best woman you can be, and you can be the best man you can be, and together you're even more amazing.
1: Amy, thank you so much for for calling in. You know, I I, I do personally agree with uh, separated education, boys and girls, uh, especially during the high school years. I know maybe when they're they're smaller, it doesn't matter as much, but. I I can tell you this in my high school career, um, I I had some distractions in the classroom. Let's put it that way. Uh, I think it it maybe makes for an interesting, uh, more focused learning environment as well. Amy in Chicago or uh, not so much in Chicago, but in Yorkville, Illinois. Thank you so much for your phone call. Call back anytime. Appreciate that call a lot. Let's go to Jose somewhere else in Chicagoland. Hi, Jose.
3: Hi, thank you. I, I appreciate this thoughtful topic. Um, I think the, it's a really good question as to whether there's a big difference between male and female in terms of liberalism. I've noticed it mm-hmm. here in the suburbs where I live, um, they have a block of voters. And I mean, I'm sorry about the name, but they call it awful, uh, affluent white females. And what we're seeing is like, I live in the more conservative zip code, and there's a big difference in terms of taxes and crime and things like that. But what's mm-hmm. happening is like this cancer that has become Chicago is spreading west. And you combine like the policies of former mayor, um, Lightfoot and the, you know, and, and Kim Fox who was like a Soros funded candidate for attorney general. Now we have, or the, you know, in fact, I'm driving to the city now to go to work and I, which, you know, I wish I didn't have to, but it is what it is. But now they have no bail, you know, they have carjackings like crazy, but to, to stay on topic, this, this, this category awful. Um, I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing these, we're going to start seeing the transformation of these Western suburbs that are safe, that have good eco- economic, um, growth. I, my concern is that if we're going to see this revert to turn more into like the tumor that is Chicago. And so, and I, and I try to tell my kids, I'm like, you know, you, you, you know, females are absolutely important. Who, who was the first to see Jesus when he was resurrected? It was a female mm-hmm. to see his to witness his first miracle. It was, it was a female. You know, and uh yeah. but it's like it's the greatest like greatest saint you of all. It's a, a woman, uh, yeah, and like and Saint. When you mentioned Pope John Paul, he talked about the secular humanism, and we're absolutely seeing it rammed down our throats now. But yes, I do see a a, a divide, and unfortunately, okay. um, I wish it was different.
1: Okay, well, Jose, thank you so much for calling in, and uh, wow, wow, some some Chicagoans out there. You might might uh, get your back up. He talked about the cancer that is Chicago. Wow, that's a uh, he is not fond of what's going on in, in the city, or at least uh, wherever he might be traveling. Uh, so, wow. Uh, but, anyways, but He also talked to, a little bit maybe off topic there, but, but, but Jose, I appreciate your comments and, uh, um, and interesting, very interesting uh, points of view there. Let's, let's go now to TJ in San Diego. Hi, TJ.
2: Hello, uh, Cale. Thank you very much for my call. I uh, love the show. Um, I don't think it's uh, gender dependent on the political view. I think it depends on how one has been educated. You know, in the classically Mm. sense, it was, you know, with an understanding of what is good, true, and beautiful. And I think as Catholics, I think Mm. we need to understand that, you know, a full understanding of, like, locally or within domestically, like, our, our Constitution and what the role of the government is and what natural law is versus Roman law, I think is extremely important. So I would just like to comment that you know some of the most staunchest conservatives that I know happen to be female, and it's, uh, I think, how they were brought up in a family mm. environment and a supportive environment and what is uh, good, true, and beautiful. And I'd like to just kind of finally say that if you can convince half of the population that men could have babies, I think then that is, <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a problem. And so I just wanted to kind of make that clear that, you know, there is a difference between men and women, and uh, I think... It's not a uh, gender neutral, uh, uh, you know, choice of mm-hmm. somebody to be yeah. like one or another. It has to be how somebody was educated.
1: Well, TJ, thank you so much for your phone call. I appreciate your kind words about, about the show. And, and, that, and that's kind of why I said off the top, and you're, you're kind of uh, backing that up for me. It kind of depends on the circles in which you run. I think in terms of your views on this, on these issues, it's not necessarily, it's obviously not a given that, even even if the stats are saying that the majority of women are, tend to be more liberal in their political outlook, that may in fact be a statistical truth, but it certainly doesn't mean that every woman or every group of women would fall into that category. And I like what you said, that someone's education, their formation really is absolutely crucial, understanding of the true, the good, the beautiful. People even doubt that there is such a thing as truth, obviously, in this relativistic culture. Which, by the way, ironically, got started because of a religious problem. Uh, some years ago, there's a scholar from Notre Dame um, who wrote a book called The Unintended Reformation, Brad Gregory, Brad S. Gregory. And it was all about how Luther, Martin Luther, in, in, when he kicking off the Protestant Revolt, this sort of personal interpretation of scripture. It's what I think of it. It's what I think it means. Even Luther himself would later lament this. He would say there's many interpretations out there as there are heads. Everybody's got their take. This idea of, of truth, uh, an objective truth, became undermined. And that, that, in many ways, was the foundation of, of where we're at today on and so many issues. But, well, uh, great phone call, TJ. Appreciate you. Uh, for all those who couldn't get in, phone lines are jammed. I, I apologize. Try to call back tomorrow. We are out of time. I'm so, so sorry. But... Uh, I'm so thankful for your interest in this uh, topic and in the show and the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. If you have ever missed an episode, by all means, please uh, check the podcast. You can download all the back episodes, stream them, listen to them, share them on the Relevant Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and review. Help us to be found. Jim Shaper produced Patrick Alog. He's working hard taking your phone calls. Timory is up next. Take it away, Michaela.
4: Thank you for listening to my daddy.